there. It's Wendy Snyder in for John Williams today. And we begin our business lunch with Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com, Greg McBride. Greg, how are you today? I'm great, Wendy. Great to be with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Is it indeed a happy new year? We're about to find out because... Interest rates went up like crazy during 2022. Um, And how is that affecting us? Are we going to see more in 2023? We will see more, uh, particularly in the first half of the year, uh, which will make for a happy new year for savers. Uh, You'll continue to see increases in things like savings accounts, certificates of deposit. uh, And right now you're already seeing the highest yields in about 15 years, and those are, are poised to get a little bit better. It's not so good news for borrowers. Uh, we did see interest rates go up at the fastest pace in 40 years last Jeez. year, uh, and and there's still still a bit more to come with the uh, with the Federal Reserve. So that's going to filter out to borrowing across the board: mortgages, car loans, home equity, credit cards, you name it. All right. Well, I'm thinking back. We've been in our house 25 years, and. Maybe I'm remembering this incorrectly, but our mortgage was definitely in the double digits, like maybe 12% or something. And now what are we looking at, like 5.25? How do we figure all this out? And it's like if we could do it at 12% before, we should be okay in mortgage rates, right? Well, mortgage rates doubled last year. I mean, they started this time a year ago, they were down around three and a quarter percent. We were actually above 7% uh, at, at one point last fall. Uh, and right now they're down about 6.75%. Now, I expect some choppiness here in the first half of the year. Mortgage rates moving between 65 and 7%. In the back half of the year, I do expect mortgage rates are going to start to slide. And I think they'll finish the year around five and a quarter percent but it's all going to come in the back half of the year. And it comes in the backdrop of, of what's likely to be a, a weaker, if not recessionary, economic environment. Um, how will these rate hikes affect uh, home equity lines of credit? Um, I know, again, when we signed up for that, it was relatively low, and I keep getting statements saying, hey, guess what? It's gone up again and again. I think I've gotten five of those. You're probably going to get a few more uh, because uh, the, the, the Fed, is they raised rates seven times last year. They're going to raise rates a few more times this year. We don't know exactly how many. I, I, I've got them raising interest rates another full percentage point uh, by the middle of the year. Uh, and so what that means is a home equity borrower, if you have a home equity line of credit, your rate will go up another full percentage point. Uh, it's going to mimic whatever the Federal Reserve does with benchmark interest rates because your home equity line of credit is pegged to that. So homeowners may be sitting on record amounts of equity, but it is no longer a low-cost proposition to borrow from it. Okay, what about auto loans? I know there were definitely shortages of cars. If you can find one you like, are you, you're going to be paying more. I'm not even asking you, are you? You will be paying more, correct? The, the rates are going to continue to rise. Uh, you know, the, the little bit of good news here is that there's a lot of competition, and you really should shop around because we do see much greater variation on auto loans than we do on some of the other products, uh, and include credit unions in your search. They are extremely competitive on auto loan pricing, but I do expect rates are, are going to go up further this year, um, about another three quarters so to full percentage point by uh, you know, by the time all is said and done, I think the bulk of that's going to come in the first half of the year. 
the, the real backbreaker for, for households and the reason that payments are so high isn't so much because of interest rates. It's because the sticker prices are high. Uh, and if you've got weak credit, that puts you into a whole different territory in terms of the interest rate you pay. So make sure your credit is in the best shape possible and shop around to get the most competitive financing offer. That can make a huge difference, even in a rising rate environment. Okay, and uh, credit card rates, um, not looking good for those. They're going to break new records, you're thinking? Yes, they uh, already are at a record high credit card rates uh, on the back of those seven rate hikes from the Fed last year. And they'll go higher as, uh, this year as well. They're going, that's another one that's just going to mimic whatever moves the Fed makes. And so if the Fed raises rates another full percentage point, your credit card rate will go up another full percentage point. This is the highest cost debt a lot of households have, and it's going to get more expensive. So grab those low rate, 0% balance transfer offers. Some of these are good for a year and a half or longer. And that can really insulate you, <clears throat> excuse me, not only from the rising rates, but it also gives you this runway where you can get that debt paid off once and for all. It can really turbocharge your debt repayment efforts. I would give that the highest priority uh, in terms of how to manage debt in this environment. Okay, and finally here, Greg, um, the good news is this is all going to be good for people who save their money. Who are those people? Can I ask you that? Because <laughs> uh, I'm not a good saver. Well, one thing we all need is an emergency savings account for that rainy day. And the good news is you're earning a much better return on that now than you have in, in many years if you're shopping around. Uh, you know, a lot of banks have been very stingy and haven't passed along those higher rates. Uh, look at online savings accounts. Uh, they're currently over 4%. Uh, they'll continue to rise. I expect they're going to get above 5% this year. Uh, and this is something that you can uh, – It does. this is in addition to whatever you your current financial arrangement is. This isn't about moving all your accounts. You just open an online savings account, put your savings where it's going to be welcomed with – open arms and higher returns, and then you can link that back to the checking account you have at your current bank. So you don't have to change anything about your day-to-day. You're just going to put your savings someplace where you're going to be rewarded for having it. Really appreciate uh, your information today. He's Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate, bankrate bankrate.com. Greg, thank you so much. Thank you, Wendy. Appreciate it. We go live now to Joan Salzman who is a senior senior reporter at CNET, CNET.com. Hi, Joan. Hi, Wendy. Good to join you. All right, Joan. I am the biggest fan of CNET for, I don't know how many years you've been in business, but I always go to CNET.com when I'm buying a new appliance, when I'm buying anything, because I love your reviews. You guys do a great job. And I'm a bit of a gadget geek. Um, Consumer Electronics <laughs> Show is going on. When does that kick off in Vegas? And what cool things can we find? Oh, my gosh. Well, yesterday was what's known as Media Day, which is the day that's most busy for sites like CNET, where there's tons of presentations and keynotes um, and flashy demos that are shown off to reporters like ours. Um, and then officially, and then the show actually kicks off today. A couple of the um, sort of most eye-popping things that I wanted to talk to you about. Well, there was BM, one of them, BMW demoed a concept car. Now, this is just a concept car. It's not going into production. But it's called the BMW iVision D, and it actually has an exterior. It's a color-changing car, like almost like a chameleon, where it has this, ex, it has this skin. It's skinned with um, full-color e-ink panels. Most people know e-ink from, um, you know, like your e-readers. 
these e-ink panels can shift between 32 colors. You can change your car to match your outfit or your mood. I know it's radio. You guys can't see pictures of it, but if if people can go and look, it looks wild how you can just change this car's color at like a couple taps on your phone. Okay, a couple of comments on that. Uh, the Kardashians would probably love it because they care that they match their cars. Most of us don't care. What I would love on the roadway is if you're speeding and all of a sudden you pass a police officer, you could change the color of your car and then he'll be like, what? <laughs> yes, exactly. Ticket evasion, I'm sure, is going to be a high priority among people buying Whatever concept that BMW actually puts this into a production vehicle. Could you explain, Joan, what exactly is a concept car? I know it's just something that they're showing. Wouldn't that be cool if, is that basically what a concept car is? It's not going to come to fruition? Yeah. Yeah, it's a way for, you know, a lot goes into manufacturer manufacturing an actual line of cars. And so a concept car gives a car company the opportunity to sort of cram in a bunch of technologies that it wants to eventually aim to get into production vehicles later down the road. But by not having to entirely set up an assembly line and create the construction of an entire line of vehicles, a concept car lets them make them be able to show off those things in one package so that people get an idea for it and sort of, you know, have some proof of life. So you can see that they it's not all just vaporware and it's not just concept in concept only. They can't actually make it happen in a car. It's just a matter of how they deploy it. That's the unknown. And you can touch it and feel it and see it. That's probably what's pretty cool. All right. um, If only there was a TV I can stick on my wall (laughs) with a suction cup. I know, the thing you never thought you wanted, but now that you know that it exists, maybe you do. Yeah, there's a a startup at CES called Displace TV. um, They have a 55-inch OLED TV screen, OLED being the screens that have the best picture quality that you can get. Um, This one is one that not only is it wireless, but it's also designed to be literally just suction cupped onto a wall or even a window so that you can just sort of like, you know, Stick it onto a wall, you can move it, and it doesn't have any wires um, hanging down that you have to, even if you want to scream, you don't have to worry about drilling into walls. It's the first time that suction, wireless TVs aren't entirely new, but they're not exactly available to most people on the market. This is the first time that you can have a wireless TV with suction cups attached to things like a window. All right. I, it might be good for renters, you know. Um, otherwise, I, I don't know. Do you just you bring your TV to your friend's house if you want to sleep in a different bedroom? <laughs> How is this useful? Well, at 55 inches, it's not something you, it's not exactly portable. I don't think you'd want to, like, take it with you on the go or take it to a friend's house unless you're really dedicated to showing off how, you know, <laughs> first adopter you are in technology. Right. Um, hey, I brought, a, so- I brought a taco dip and a 55-inch TV to the party tonight. <laughs> right, right, for your Super Bowl viewing. I came right. with the chips and I brought the TV to just stick on. But, you know, it depends on, this is definitely something that's for people that are cut, you know, bleeding edge early adopters. Um, but it does do things. I mean, like sticking a television on a window. If you are one of those people that has a very modern, maybe live in an apartment building with a lot of like big window glass, you could stick your TV on a window and have it facing there, or you could move it onto say a wall if you want to have less backlight and a better picture for for movie night. 
Okay, now this probably isn't fair to talk to you about. Joan Saltzman on the line with us, and she's from CNET, a senior reporter. I had read somewhere, and I thought it was CNET, I could be wrong, that a lot of people watching TV, whether it be a suction cup one or not, (laughs) has to put the closed captions on because whenever there's background music on a show, you can't hear the vocals. Do you know anything about this, and can we adjust our TVs to make this better? Yeah, yeah, that's a really great question. You know, something that um, has come up in conversations in um, Hollywood production circles is the fact that as there's been so much dedication to um, computer-generated imagery, um, there hasn't been as much dedication to capturing sound well. And so, you know, you know, in, in your latest Marvel movie, like what's the next one that's, that's in, in Black Panther, Wakanda forever. There's these eye popping images going under the sea, but there hasn't been as much emphasis on making sure that sound is captured well. And that's led to this issue of people feeling like they just can't hear people talk when they're talking. Yeah. Now on the flip side, on the flip side, there has been a lot of advancement in closed captioning in order, closed captioning is specifically, um, that's specifically, you know, those subtitles that not only show the dialogue, but also sound cues are designed for people that are deaf and hard of hearing. So they don't have, not only do people who are deaf and hard of hearing not miss the audible dialogue, they also don't use this things like music or a door slamming or a car crashing, that sort of thing. Now, closed captions have become much more advanced where they can be generated more easily in more languages and more quickly. And so that's also allowed people the ability to watch and understand things, whether or not it's because they can't hear the dialogue or it's because there's so many foreign language um, series and and movies that are being made nowadays. It it kind of democratizes people's ability to see stuff that's made, even if it's not from your language of origin. Because before, um, when I would watch Richie Gervais, uh, Ricky Gervais, I would have to put the closed caption on because I couldn't understand his accent very well. But now it's like everything I watch, I feel like I have to watch with the closed caption. I, I hope yeah, you're improves. not alone. Yeah. All right. Netflix Netflix has said that most people that a large majority a large minority of people always watch with captions on, so you're not the only one. All right. And Amazon's big layoffs even bigger than originally thought. We have about a minute here. Yeah. So Amazon in November of last year confirmed that they'd be doing one of their largest rounds of layoffs in in basically a, more than a decade, um, and almost the entire company's history. This today we learned that it's actually going to be even bigger than we thought. Originally, they didn't reveal how many jobs would be cut. The consensus was around about ten thousand positions were going to be eliminated. Now, the CEO of Amazon, Jaffe, is saying that it's actually going to be eighteen thousand jobs. This is partly because Amazon went on a hiring spree in the pandemic, doubled its workforce when the demand for shipped products for e- for online retail was at an unprecedented peak because of the nature of the pandemic. But now they're going to be going after that hiring spree. They're swinging the pendulum, swinging the other direction. It's going to be the, their biggest layoff, um, their biggest round of layoffs that they've ever had as a company. Which is going to be unfortunate because when you order like collector's edition, uh, collector's edition DVDs and stuff, Sometimes I'm not even getting them in a package. It comes in just like a flimsy envelope, and it's all mm. bashed in. So you ha- the return policy is great, but you have to do it like four times before you can get a great item. 
Yeah. Well, the layoffs that are going to be um, rolling out uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks at Amazon, the majority of them are going to be affecting human resources okay. and Amazon's retail operations. All but right. they will be affecting all parts of the company. So delivery um, is definitely going to be part of it, too. Well, so great to talk to you, Joan. Have fun at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. And what stays at the Consumer Electronics Show stays there. Isn't that the same? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Joan, thank you so much. Senior reporter over at CNET.com. Really appreciate it today. Great talking to you. Thanks. Uh, Philip Shaw joins us now, certified financial planner from Goldstone Financial Group. Philip, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Wendy. Uh, I am going to tell you something, and uh, I hope this isn't a lie. Um, Tax day will be here before we know it. Uh, We get a lot of our pay stubs and things very early in January. I am making another vow to get things ready by the end of January. Do you believe me? Uh, I believe you, but I wouldn't (laughs) anticipate you'd have everything, especially if you have 1099s coming, any kind of investment accounts, probably middle to end of February. But I like your optimism. Uh, Well, that's all it is, is optimism. I I pretty much have lied to you because every year it happens at the same time. I say by the end of January, early February, I'm going to have everything ready for my accountant. And it's usually either filing for an extension or I get it done very late in the game. And there are new tax changes and tax laws. What has changed for this year? Yeah, so there's a few things that will affect you on your 2022 tax return. Uh, and especially going into 2023. So they have capped the uh, child tax credit. There are some deductions for 2022, uh, such as you know $300 charitable deductions or 600 charitable for joint filers. That's all going away this year. So a lot of changes, really more so for 2023 than for 2022. Uh, but good to know when you're planning going forward. And that's always my encouragement this time of year is it's not just about, you know, getting everything together and making sure we're ready to file taxes, but making sure we're ready for the year going forward. Do we need to be making any changes? Do we need to be planning for anything different other than just, you know, reporting what's already happened? All right. You have a child. Uh, they're your dependent. What are the ages on these kids? And what if they still live with you when they're in their 30s? <laughs> <laughs> It depends if you can qualify them as a dependent for you, which is a calculation around how much of their expenses you're covering. And that's really a little more in the weeds. You should look into your own situation on on those. But just do know that some of those have been capped for this year if you were expecting, you know, a larger larger tax credit than you've seen in the past. uh, They have been capped for this year. All right. And charitable deductions. I am trying to declutter. I have made several, probably 15 trips to Goodwill at this point. I'm getting receipts and I'm itemizing everything. What has changed in the charitable deductions category? Well, going forward, the only charitable deductions you'll be able to actually deduct are if you're itemizing deductions for taxes. So in, in the last two years, you've been able to itemize deductions but even if you were taking a standard, you could deduct $300 of, of charitable giving as a, as a single file or 600 as a married. That 300 and 600 is going away for 2023. So the only time you're actually going to see a benefit for any charitable contributions is if you're itemizing your deductions and not taking that standard. 
Well, come on, that's not. We need to. We need to help charity. You know, we isn't that going to dissuade people from uh, giving charitable deductions? Oh, most certainly will. Most certainly will. So, not not every tax law change is going to be a positive, in my opinion. Uh, and there have been quite a few, you know, especially just passed here in the last week. So, you know, a, a lot of changes were made with the Secure Act 2.0, which was literally just passed here in the last, you know, week before the new year. And you mentioned 1099 forms. If you do freelance work or you have your own LLC, you get 1099s. How is this working with Venmo and PayPal and those similar apps? So. One of the changes that was made in 2022 is Venmo and PayPal are going to be required to send you a 1099K for any any uh, transactions above $600. Now, just because you have a transaction above $600 does not mean you need to run out and file taxes for it. This only applies if it's for your own business, if it was income you've generated. If you're paying a friend back for dinner or a plane ticket or, you know, you're paying somebody for rent, that's not something that qualifies. Don't worry about it. Okay. Are there other tax changes we should be aware of for 2023? I know this year we're filing for 2022, but we're getting things organized for next year. What should we know? So there's a number of big things that happened for 2023. So your contribution limits went up considerably. So your 401k contributions have gone up to 22,500 as a maximum. And if you're over 50 years old, you can contribute an extra 7,500 or a total of 30,000. Uh, you can contribute an extra 500 per person to IRAs or Roth IRAs in 2023. So that's 6,500 now and 7,500 if you're over the age of 50. Um, a couple of big ones for, especially for people in retirement, Social Security is giving one of its largest ever increases this year. They're seeing an 8.7% cost of living increase okay, for Social Security. Philip Shaw's on the line with us. Philip, doesn't that kind of surprise you? Because everybody said, you know, by the time you need to file for Social Security, there'll be nothing left in the pot. This is uh, encouraging, I think. You know, it's encouraging, and uh, especially for the amount of benefits people are receiving, that 8.7% increase. Now, granted, that's really just offsetting inflation, but the fact that they're given an 8.7% increase is going to be a big deal for a lot of retirees. Now, Social Security long-term still has a funding issue. This is an issue for our, our politicians more than anybody else, as this is a, a political will issue. I'm not worried that Social Security is going to run out of money. It's just a matter of time until our politicians find a way to, to handle the issue. Okay, and tell us about the SECURE Act 2.0 that was recently signed into law. How will this impact retirement savers? So SECURE Act 2.0 was signed as a part of uh, the federal spending bill in 2023, the biggest difference right away is it increased the RMD age, the required minimum distribution age, from age 72 to age 73. Long term, they're looking to change that all the way to age 75, but that's not going to occur for another decade. The big thing that people should know is if you didn't qualify for required distributions last year, you're not going to qualify for required distributions this year either. But if you're turning 73, next year, or you turn 73 this year, 
be wary of that. Okay, I am uh, I am not in my 70s, and the only reason I even know what an RMD was is a family member passed away and left me some money, and I had to continue with her required minimum distributions. But did I really have to? I know I did last year, but um, how does that work? If you inherited an IRA or a 401k from somebody and they were taking required distributions, you have to take required distributions as well. Now, this is where I'd say it's really important that you sit down with a financial planner or somebody that can sit and analyze your situation because there were quite a few changes that were made pre and after the year 2020. So whether you inherited funds three years ago or you inherited funds last year, you actually have quite a bit of difference in rules around that. Okay, and the only reason I bring that up is because, you know, for people listening who aren't in their 70s yet, and they're like, what is RMD, required minimum distribution, how does that affect me? All these things you're talking about can definitely affect you. So thanks for clearing a lot of this up. Um, I I don't want to, I don't have to say we're doomed, it'll never work, because, you know... Hopefully, we'll be okay. Philip Shaw, Certified Financial Planner from Goldstone Financial Group. If people need some help, how do they reach you? So, easiest way to reach us is through our website, which is goldstonefinancialgroup.com. You can find all of our information, schedule times to talk with one of our fiduciary advisors. Anything you need, you'll be able to find there, goldstonefinancialgroup.com. Philip, really appreciate your information today. Thanks for talking with us. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me, Wendy. Certainly. And now let's go to Steve Grzanich with the Wintrust Business Minute. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. The University of Chicago will commit millions of dollars to fund startups focused on data science, artificial intelligence, clean technology, and life sciences. Cranes reports the university is committing more than $20 million to launch three new accelerators. The report says University of Chicago will also launch dozens of startups on its own, which will include members of its own faculty, students, and outside founders. U of C is no stranger to the startup game. Its Booth School of Business and Polsky Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation have launched several companies, including Grubhub. This new foray hopes for similar success, but with a hard science focus. A new 41-story office tower is being planned for Chicago's Fulton Market District. Related Midwest has submitted a proposal to build a tower at 725 West Randolph. It'll go before the Chicago Planning and Development Department next week, according to Cranes. The developer had previously planned a mixed-use project at the site, which would have included a hotel, apartments, and office space. This new proposal is mostly office space with indoor-outdoor amenities like a rooftop pool, restaurant, and fitness club and spa. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. And now, the business of food with Steve Alexander. Mm -hmm. Ready for a beer yet, Wendy? Oh, you know it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you uh, about free beer after I uh, thank the Chevy Silverado HD for sponsoring us. Experience life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Identify yourself, please. Sure. My name is Ray Stout. I'm the executive director of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. Is there a better name for someone in the beer business than stout people always tell me that they they think i made it up or i'm born for this job so it's one of the two <laughs> so yesterday we were talking about how surprisingly big the wine industry is in illinois which made me think of beer and it may surprise you too the uh crap brewing industry in illinois is about a three billion dollar a year industry 
industry. With over 300 breweries, 160 of which are in Chicago. One of the most brewer-centric uh, cities in the nation. And the Illinois craft brewers pump out a lot of beer. We're producing nearly 400,000 barrels of beer. And a lot of jobs. You know, we support more than 20,000 full-time jobs. Yeah, the majority are small businesses generally located in neighborhoods with tasting rooms or brew pubs where you could come in and sample a beer. Um, many of them offer food. And by and large, are real gathering places for their communities. And I didn't know this, but we are kind of a big deal when it comes to beer. People are, are traveling to seek out Illinois beers. They're coming to the state specifically to visit breweries. But they're not coming in January, which is the slowest month of the year for craft beer. And to drum up some business, the Guild is having a fill your fridge with beer contest. We're encouraging folks to head to their favorite craft brewery or bottle shop or retailer and stock up on Illinois brewed beer. Yeah, take a picture, post it on social media, tag it with your favorite brewery. And including hashtag MyILBeerFridge. And you'll have a chance to win weekly prizes for more beer. The hashtag again is MyILBeerFridge. And even if you're doing a dry January, you'll be stocked up when it's over. Speaking of dry, are there any guild members making N.A. beer? Yeah, so we just had a new brewery open in Naperville called Go Brewing, and they are specializing in non-alcoholic and low-alcoholic beer. Raised out, I love that name, of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. From the dairy farm to your belly, today's National Whipped Cream Day. That's the business of food on 720. Welcome to a Thursday. It is Wendy Snyder in for John Williams today. It's the Wintrust Business Lunch, and we go live now to Nick Terpani, owner of Door County Candle Company. First of all, how are you today, Nick? Doing well yourself, Wendy? I'm doing well. I appreciate you being on. I love candles. I really do. And Door County Candle Company is more than just a candle company. You also have a cause and a mission to help those in need, one candle at a time. I'm on your website right now, uh, doorcountycandle.com, and I'm looking at the Ukraine 16-ounce candle. Tell us about this. Absolutely. So um, a little little piece here. Yep. So my wife, uh, Christiana, is the driving force behind the business. She's the She's the owner, and we just kind of do what she says we need to do. And uh, this was really her idea. So I, I was talking to her this morning, and she's sorry she couldn't make it today. She was double booked, and she sent me. But I can <laughs> I can bring us all up to speed. But we um, what happened here was when when the war broke out on February 24th of last year, uh, Christiana and I were sitting there having dinner one night on the Friday uh, of February 25th, and uh, she really wanted to come up with a way to help. You know, she, it's her it's her heritage. It's her family's heritage. She's 100 percent Ukrainian with both sides of her or both her parents being 100 percent Ukrainian as well. And both sets of grandparents being you know, have immigrated to the U.S. from Ukraine. You know, it was devastating to see that that heritage being destroyed the way it was and the way it still is. So she was inspired to make a difference. And uh, she partnered with a, a, a organization called Razum for Ukraine based in New Jersey and uh, from there, it's it's been a really interesting story. She entered this with a goal of five thousand dollars. She wanted to earn, you know, raise for the organization. And to date, she's over eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars raised. Wow, that the resilience of the Ukrainian people is just astounding. It truly is. And this candle, Inspiring. 
Yeah. Oh, completely inspiring. I mean, you know, we're going through our Christmas and our New Year's and not worrying about anything. Those people had so much happen and um, our prayers go out to them. And now you can help by purchasing a Ukraine candle. Uh, describe it. Uh, Ukraine colors. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's inspired by the, the flag, the national flag of Ukraine. So it's yellow and blue uh, to symbolize uh, the wheat fields of yellow and the sky with blue. Uh, so it's, it's been very interesting. You know, we've, so the, the, the mission has taken us a couple of directions. And when we partnered with Rosam, they were sending tactical medical aid off to, off to Ukraine. And now um, we, we've entered a, an agreement with them that we're actually supplying them candles to send over to Ukraine because it's such in, di- in dire need right now given the fact that their um, power grid has been destroyed in such a way. So we were meeting with them, and, and they actually wanted us to supply wax. And, and we said, not a problem. We can do that. You know, we have suppliers for that. We can help. But in the end, it turned into, uh, you know, let's just make it here. Let's get it ready made. Let's send it over. And, oh, by the way, when it's done, we send over this in a little um, aluminum tin. When it's all said and done, they can reuse that tin for another candle or something else. So the Ukraine candle has gone a long, long way. Um, so it is inspired by by the flag itself. But then there, you know, part of this mission has also been thanking uh, the, the the Polish people uh, because at the end of the day, Poland has uh, really done a lot for helping the Ukrainians during the war. So uh, we we went ahead and, and launched a thank you Poland candle, and that's actually been really successful as well all those profits being donated to Rosam as well. So it's been a long mission and it'll continue. Uh, you know, Christiana has been very steadfast in saying uh, she will not stop until the war is over. And even once the war is over and, and the Ukraine, U- Ukraine has prevailed, she's still going to do something to help the people of Ukraine. You know, you mentioned when the war kicked off on February 24th. I can't believe that we're going on a year already for that. So this is a wonderful thing that you and your wife are doing. What is the scent of the Ukraine candle? It is a vanilla scent. We call it our proprietary vanilla. It's it's nice and not too sweet and uh, just perfect. So it it warms up the room. And we did that because it's a calming scent. You know, we don't want to incite any fear with the thought of a war. We don't want to have any bad connotations with it. We want to just kind of soothe the room and and really kind of bring peace to the situation. Would you say vanilla is probably your top scent at Door County Candle Company? Because I love vanilla. Vanilla and lavender are like two of the scents that I could smell for the rest of my life. Absolutely. It's our top scent. We we buy it in uh, in 400 pound barrels. That's how much we go through. <laughs> and um, I learned something on your website. Um, you can actually punch in an approximate burn time for specific candles. The Ukraine and Poland candle, 75 hours. Yep. So we, we work really hard. You know, um, we make uh, we say small batches. Uh, you know, we still make them handmade them. Uh, and we work really hard to uh, optimize our burn times and to make a clean burning candle because that's a big deal to a lot of people. You don't want to if you're using an open flame candle. We want to make sure that it's um, it's it's going to be clean burning and work well. So we did that for we do that for our entire candle line, but we've also made sure that the candles that we're sending over to Ukraine are as clean burning as possible as well because uh, you know we know they're going to be used in a lot of different environments. Um, but you know high quality candles is really 
core to us, and it's 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 in our roots here at Door County Candle, and uh, we've kind of taken that through even with our donation candles. So if people are listening and they'd like to purchase a Ukraine 16-ounce candle for themselves, they they can do it. Just go to doorcountycandle.com. But if you don't want a candle, maybe you have a cat or a dog that is going to knock it over, how do you send a candle to Ukraine? We uh, On the same page or on the same website, there is uh, an option to just purchase a tin candle. You don't receive anything, but we do go ahead and send a candle on your behalf. You have an option to write a note in the note section of the order, and we actually have volunteers that handwrite the notes, and we hand, we apply those to every single tin. That way, when they get over to Ukraine, uh, there's a little message of hope or inspiration or you know just something from us here in the U.S. to say, we're, we're behind you. Well, best of luck to Christiana. I'm sorry I didn't get to speak to her today, but Nick Trapani, owner of Door County Candle Company, a great mission you have going on over there, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Wendy. Have a good day.